0: I'm looking for some hot takes, so um, this is not going to be about us, um, (laughs) but but I'm wondering if either of you has any hot takes right now on either like new products you've seen that you think are like really awesome or that you think are terrible.
1: Ooh. Product shame.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to expose what a Luddite I am. (laughs) Hmm.
1: Savage is a huge product nerd. I don't know. I don't know oh, if really? you two know that, no but idea. I think our audience no idea. knows that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm Chris Savage, your host. I'm joined as always by Sylvie Lubao. I'm here. Here I'm she here. is, everyone. Love that shirt today, Sylvie. It's like you're matching your bedspread.
1: I, there's a lot of pattern
0: happening, I just
1: realized that.
0: <laughs> so did I. <laughs> it's
1: a lot. I got floral, I got quilt, I got paisley. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: It's summer. It's summer in Brooklyn, so I guess this is where we're at. This is what it this looks like it. on the streets, there's just people matching patterns together. Is that right?
1: That's it. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. good. A lot of jean shorts. I'm sure. A lot of jorts.
0: A lot of jorts, probably. <laughs> That's why they just call Brooklyn jort city. Oh, boy. All right. Who do we have Um, today? Well, today, uh, we have some very special guests. Robin Shin, um, who's a group product manager here at Wistia, and Courtney Lefferts, who's a product marketing manager here at Wistia. And they're here to talk with us about our very new and exciting editing features that we just launched a couple weeks ago.
1: It's a great one. I'm very excited.
0: It's awesome. We go into, you know, basically... How we built this, the process, the feedback, how you message something like this. Um, It's the type of episode that I wish I had listened to like three years ago, you know, when the company was smaller and we didn't have all the systems and we didn't have the people figured out. I I wish I had had a blueprint for how to do this. And I I think this episode kind of is that. It is that. Yeah. Oh, it's that. Oh, it's that.
1: (laughs) Uh, What's got you talking too loud, my friend?
0: Oh, me? Oh, um, you know, I had. An extremely outrageous thing happened. So I was on vacation, as you know. Mm -hmm. And when I was on vacation, I got invited to speak at a conference. And um, my assistant messaged me. and was like, hey, this conference wants you to come speak or do this virtual talk. Like, can you do this? And I was like, no, I'm on vacation. Like, I can't do this. She's like, yeah, that's what I figured. I just want to double check. So she gets back to them. Can't do it. Um, they get back to her and they're like, no, we really want Chris. Like, we really, really want Chris at this. Double really? Yeah, we will move things around if we can get Chris. And she's like, oh, wow, this seems like kind of a big deal. So they basically say they will delay part of this event Mm -hmm. um, till I'm back. And so we will record a panel with me on it. And then they will play the panel in person at the conference the next day. (laughs) And so I'm going to be back. Should I do this or not? I have time in the schedule. It's a panel. I don't have to prepare anything. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Okay. Fine.
1: Did you have any context for this? Yeah. Beyond the two really, reallys.
0: Yeah. So I knew what the topic was. And I knew one other person who was going to be on this panel who'd like written a book. And I knew the book. So I thought like, okay, yes, they really, really want me. But also... The topic is interesting, maybe I'll learn something. And there's a lot of serendipity that happens when you do stuff like this. So it was like, it almost came down to a decision of like, do I have this time on the day and will I be too jet lagged to do it or not? I was like, I have the time, I'll probably be jet lagged, but I'll just do it.
1: Got it, okay, okay, I'm with you.
0: So it's like three o'clock on a Monday and I get into the panel and there's some other people there and they're like, oh, hey, Chris, hey, Chris. And they kind of introduce themselves and they're like, what's the plan? Um, So do you have a presentation? And I'm like, no, I don't have a presentation. Um, oh, no. I thought I, this is a panel, right? And they're like, yeah, but you're our featured guest and Wisty is a featured company. So we'd really love it if, you know, if y- you, you could know, take you the start- reins so here. I'm, I'm realizing as <laughs> no, this is happening, I'm like, oh my God. So, like, yeah, just maybe you can talk for 10 or 15 minutes and then we'll ask you questions. So I'm just like putting stuff together. I'm like, could I talk about this and that? Some other person joins the call. They're like, what's our plan? And I say what the plan is. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be it, okay? like I'm going to talk for 15 minutes, 10 minutes. I'm going to talk about these things. And then I'm going to hand to you all. And they're all nodding along. This is great. And <laughs> there's a guy who I'm going to call him Jeff um, Coffey. Jeff Coffee. Jeff, Coffee. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> okay. Coffee's there.
1: I love Jeff Coffey. And Jeff Coffey's kind
0: of quiet, but clearly mm-hmm. very experienced person. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, hello, Jeff Coffey. And he's like, hello, Chris. Excited you're here. I'm like, great. And then this other person says, we're going to start recording. I'm like, okay. all right. He starts recording. He is, hi, I am blah, blah, blah. I am so excited to have with us this year's Jeff Coffee fellow, Chris Savage. Chris, congratulations and thanks for being here. And I'm like, uh, now you're a fellow? Now I'm a fellow, and we just started recording, and I'm like, "Well, wow, thank you, um, thank you so much." Like, I, I can't believe this. It is an this. honor. Yeah, it's an honor to be here and to be with Jeff Coffee. I mean, it's not every day like you're here with Jeff Coffey. So we go through the whole thing. Everyone else gets introduced as like former Jeff Coffee fellows. Okay. We do this hour-long panel, and mm-hmm. it's actually great. Like the conversation is really interesting and really exciting. And I'm like, wow, that was really weird. And so, <laughs> the thing ends. I'm just like bewildered by this whole experience. And then I get an email from the from the person who's monitoring. Hey, Chris, thank you so much. That's such a great session. I need to tell you, I did, I did, uh, I misspoke during that. And actually, you're not a fellow. <laughs> I was like, you're not oh, a okay. fellow. Yeah, sorry, I'm not a Jeff Coffee fellow. And, oh my god! <laughs> and like. The other guy, Jeff Coffey, who like congratulated me, obviously didn't know it was going on. And I think the other two people, also former Jeff Coffee fellows, also not Jeff Coffey fellows. So <laughs> it's just this like the most bizarre, like outrageous like situation that occurred. Um, yeah. And that was like, that was my Monday, the day I came back from vacation.
1: I really thought that story was going to end with like a, gotcha, you're on candid camera or like something, but it was real. What happened mm-hmm. was real. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a test. Mm-hmm. You passed, but you're not a fellow.
0: I'm not a fellow, and it was awkward for me. But I was also just like, whatever. Like they're saying that yeah. one this thing. you're, like, you're rolling. It ended up being more awkward for them, I'm sure, because now yeah, to have to walk it back. Walk it back, and also play the video back. Like, did they play back the whole thing and say, I just so everyone knows, I misspoke at the beginning of this, <laughs> or like it was just like a, it's like an advertisement for editing. Like, why simple editing is needed why we all need it in many cases where you don't expect. And Mm -mm. I I hope for their sake, uh, they figured out that they could cut the beginning of that and that no one except the people who listen to Talking Too Loud would know about any of this.
1: (laughs) And if they haven't figured it out yet, they should check out this interview with Courtney and Robin.
0: That's right. So let's jump into the interview. Well, Courtney and Robin, thank you for being on Talking Too Loud today. So good to see you.
2: Hey, you too. Thanks for having us.
0: <laughs> so obviously the show is called Talking Too Loud because as you know, I cannot control the volume of my voice. We spent a lot of time today tweaking down the gain on my microphone, trying to make sure <laughs> that I'm not peeking out every episode. But we like to start the show by talking about like, what's got you talking too loud? What's got you excited? Um, so I'd love to hear from both of you and we can start with you, Robin.
2: Um. In general?
0: Yeah, in general. And anything?
2: Anything. You don't know what you've just tapped into. (laughs) I have two things. This is going to be so long. I thought we were going to end with this only if we had time.
1: Oh, Um, no, no, no. No,
2: no. Out the gate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First one is relatively simple to talk about. I just finished this book series and it's uh, called The Broken Earth Trilogy. And it is kind of like fantasy sci-fi, I mean, set in a different kind of world and universe, but just so cool. And I think typical fantasy spans like eons of years and like all of that. But the thing that's really cool about the Broken Earth trilogy is they talk a lot about like the geography of landscape. And so I've heard really good feedback from people who like actually study that industry and are Hmm. like, yes, this is like Hmm. one of the only books that has gotten like the scale and like magnitude of time right or like how tectonic plate movement happens and all of that kind of stuff. And I also think it's just a very modern voice in in the fantasy book realm. So highly recommend. Is that
0: like core to the story or something? Like the, the, okay.
2: The earth is moving. (laughs) Okay. That is is a thing that's happening throughout the whole book and you unpack more on why, but that's part of the the world they're in. Everything's always moving. I just
1: got the first book in that series. The fifth season, right? That's Yes. Yeah. Yes. N.K. Jemison,
2: Yes. Let's go summer reading. She has a really, really unique voice, I think, for this genre. um, And it just feels really fresh and really cool. That's cool. That's
0: awesome. And you said there's something else that's got you talking to.
2: Okay, yeah, there is something else. Um, This one, I don't know exactly how to explain because I don't have the right language for articulating the concepts yet. But like, you know, when you start to feel that something is there, and so you're just always like going back to it. So outside of Wistia, I'm on the board of a nonprofit called YW Boston. And uh, you might think of like the two things I'm doing as like very, very different, like working for a nonprofit versus like working for a tech company. But what I found is that a lot of how I operate is like similar. There's a lot of overlap between DE and I work and the type of facilitation you're doing. You have a lot of people from different perspectives coming together, aligning around some really hard problems and really hard facts. You're using a combination of data. You're being very strategic though because you're trying to like make change. Um, I think one thing that's really cool about nonprofits is like you're always reminded that the goal of your work is to make yourself obsolete. And so I think that's just a really like humble way of approaching things. But anyway. As I think about that, like the different perspectives and like all of that and like having those nuanced conversations and how to like kind of uncover your own biases, there's so much similarity with product work. Hmm. Uh, You think about like engineering, design and product coming together, super different perspectives, having to make lots of really tough trade-offs and conversations. And yeah, like in those rooms, uh, especially as a product manager, I feel like we're always trying to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and we're making space for people to have those differing opinions because we know it will lead to the best product and the best outcome. And so, yeah, I don't know the right articulation yet, but there's something there, and I'm trying to figure out a better way to say what it is that I'm feeling.
0: That's awesome. I feel and like it's you like, said it. And, yeah, I think so too. It seems pretty <laughs> clear to me. And, we, and you were saying that it was like surprising by how similar the work is, even though the realms of the work are very different.
2: Yep. absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of product managers You can't study product management in school, although definitely there are some programs that are doing a lot better at that lately, Uh, but you can't study it. And so a lot of the product management team comes from all different backgrounds as well. And I feel like I always will meet other product managers who came from more like community organizing backgrounds um, or like teaching or like different types of facilitation. And so uh, in talking about this concept to other people as well, they're also like resonating with it. And then finding that, oh, yeah, like some of my previous experiences are also kind of similar in that like whole realm of like, how do you bring really different people together?
0: Awesome. And I think before we go to Courtney, last thing, Robin, you're group PM here, um, you manage a lot of our creation products. Can you just also explain like as simply as possible? What is a product manager? Because you're right, it's not something that people like go to school thinking that they can do, but like they probably should. <laughs> but what is it for people who don't know?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> I will say um, having worked in a couple of different industries, it does feel different depending on, on where you are, um, like the actual details of the day to day, because I think your customer base and the space you're in kind of dictates all of the details and like how you execute. But broadly speaking, I would say product management, it can mean a lot of things, but really you're the bridge between the product org and the rest of the business. And I think everything kind of stems from that fact. Um, I'd also say you're the voice of the customer as well. And so uh, I think product management is really about like finding the problems and like really Yeah. Like falling in love with the problem space and always trying to uncover what is going on with our customers, what's going on with our product. Like you're always sensing things too. You're looking across the whole business at all of the little signals and metrics and all of the data, just so that you can best articulate the customer's point of view and bring that together with what you're doing in product, what you're trying to do across the business. So if I could distill that into one sentence, I think driving customer outcomes is what it is.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Now, Courtney, what has you talking too loud these days?
2: Mine will be much
3: less deep, Robin. Yours is <laughs> wonderful. Um, <laughs> Stranger Things yes. has me talking Sorry. too loud. Um, I haven't really been a fangirl like this of TV in a very long time. So I am very excited about the show. I'm into the like the world, all of, all of that good stuff. And then we just moved to a new old apartment so we finally have outdoor space again so been sitting out on the patio drinking coffee in the morning watching wildlife like birds and a cat catching a bird out of midair rats <laughs> is that real did you flies. see that yes yeah. yes well
0: and you said yeah. you moved into a new old apartment what does that mean
3: um, it means it's new to me, but it was built in 1899.
0: Okay. <laughs> I thought for some reason I was like, oh, did you just go back and I mean, literally move into an apartment you've been in before? But no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it actually is the same layout as our first apartment in Boston. So it feels very much like home. So
0: awesome. yeah. And so Courtney, you're, you're a product marketing manager here. Can you explain to folks who don't know, like what is product marketing?
3: Yes. So I am a newly minted product marketing manager here at Wistia. So I was doing um, copywriting before that, which is dovetailed, I guess, really great into this position. But product marketing, like Robin said, it's similar in that it's different everywhere that you work, but also a bridge. So bridging the gap between product and customers and all of our audience and the customer facing teams, making sure that we're telling the right story, that we're helping to find product market fit, launching our products, making sure we're getting enough eyes on them, helping get more usage and more adoption of the product. So a lot of communication, storytelling, and partnering with product to make sure that we're representing what we're creating
0: in the right way. Awesome. Well, it seems like you two are the perfect people to be here for this episode because (laughs) we're talking about (laughs) <laughs> A brand new feature that we've built and launched is in market, which is the ability to edit videos on Wistia. Any paid plan can do this and any video you can trim, you can clip. Um, and it's the beginning of our work on helping people get more value for the videos they already have in the platform, repurposing and all that kind of stuff. And so you two have both been critical in making this happen and getting it out to the world. So I'm very excited you're here, but I want to start at the beginning. What's the Genesis behind this? Like, why are we adding editing into Wistia? Sylvie can take a guess if she wants, but. uh.
1: It's the hot new thing. No. um, That's it.
0: Great. Okay.
1: No, no. I mean, I guess from someone who's like sort of on the outside inside of Wistia, outside inside, it seems like you guys are moving more towards empowering content creation. Like, Like you were kind of known for being a hosting platform and now you're like guys we can do even more and you want to help people do even more with the with the video that they're making videos that's my guess done nailed it
2: good (laughs) (laughs) but say more i can jump in and then see see what courtney adds on i think uh to put it simply i think there was just kind of a perfect storm of events i feel like often with uh new product ideas. I mean, there isn't a lot that's new. There's a lot that is existing and out there. And so um, oftentimes one of the harder things is like, when's the right time to start? When's the right time to invest in it? It's not a matter of like being really innovative about exactly what it is. I think there's a lot of innovation and creativity in product in like finding the right sequencing and the right timing and also aligning with your go-to-market teams. I think that's really important here too because that's how you can make the biggest impact So I think there is a perfect storm of events, um, obviously driven by the customer demand for this. Like you mentioned, we've been known as hosting and publishing platform. And when you do that really well, a lot of people gravitate towards that. But what we found is that um, a lot of the friction and challenges happen earlier in the video process. There are a lot of people now who really do believe in the power of video for crafting and owning their narratives, et cetera. Uh, And its creation is just one of the hardest barriers to entry. And so I think that combined with what we're seeing in the market, combined with what's happening internally in the company, and having that opportunity to kind of come together and work on something very holistically to make like the biggest splash possible um, and also deliver something our customers have been asking for, all of that kind of aligned for us. The only thing I'll add
3: from my perspective is that editing is like robin said the biggest point of friction and no matter what type of edit you need to make it goes through the same laborious process so there was like a real opportunity for us to create the tool that matched the level of edits that marketers need to be making so Hmm. um there was just a really good opportunity there to be like you don't have to use premiere to just trim off the front part of your webinar when you're like hey just waiting for everyone to join like Usually you have to outsource that, and that takes a lot of time and effort and potentially money, even for simple edits. We do simple really well, so there was like a really good um, opportunity there for us to just sort of do what we do best and apply it earlier in the, the video marketing process.
0: The process of launching this product has been interesting because there was like a lot of research that led us to think we should do this. There was the beta for a period of time, and then iteration from there. And then finally, we rolled it out on some plans. And I it would be cool to, I think, walk through what that's like for folks who don't know or would wonder how we would launch a product at this scale. And before you do that, one thing I'd also add that came out of all the research and stuff that I learned from you all, from our customers, basically, was that a lot of people saw editing as creation, which I thought was really interesting, which is like, if you have this asset and you need to fix something about it, change something about it, make it shorter, pull a part out. That for you is the act of creation. Because we knew that creation problems were interesting, but that was not the first thing I thought of. And it was so cool to have that come out of the process itself. And basically have customers tell us like, hey, we are trying to make things with existing content. And so to do that, we need editing. And then as you said, Courtney, like actually for a lot of people using Premiere, Final Cut is completely overwhelming. So how do you make something that's easy? Robin, can you walk through kind of like what this process has been like and how long its customers have been using it?
2: Sure. Actually, that's a really great point you just made. I think editing was actually a really interesting and probably wise kind of creation tool to to start investing in because um, so many people already have large libraries in their Wistia accounts. And so you have like this wealth of footage and videos already at the tip of your hands. And so having just that little bit extra right there um, can help you repurpose content, trim down something, make something uh, just that much better. But going back to the launch, um, it actually started with the alpha. So I would say the big thing about this product launch is, is that it's been really, really iterative. And um, we've done research uh, and tried to kind of co-build with customers in a way. And I think that led to better insights, better learnings, um, and probably a faster path forward. So we started with the alpha, and I believe that was released back in October or so. And we did a lot of internal usability testing. So... uh, referencing what Courtney said earlier, you know, we are focused on uh, marketers. We're focused on simplicity and ease of use. And so we felt that editing should be something that's very easy for anyone to pick up, whether you have a lot of experience or no experience at all in the video creation realm. So we released our alpha and we actually did internal usability testing with a bunch of Wistians across all different departments and got a lot of really good kind of basic usage feedback there. We'd also done calls directly with customers leading up to those usability tests. So we had some customer insights informing a lot of our like real even just like the alpha and really early stages of development as well from the alpha. We then uh, continued to get a bit more customer feedback on it, turned it into the beta release, which happened, I believe, in mid-November. Uh, and then something that uh, seemed small at the time, but ended up being just a hugely important thing was we actually put in um, a Pendo feedback collection modal Like for the beta, um, we very clearly labeled it as the beta and just encouraged folks to, you know, report how they enjoyed that experience and had a little note telling them to continue to watch this space because there were going to be more updates. And so a lot of that feedback uh, drove kind of the customer calls we had leading up to our broader release that happened a couple weeks ago. And the way you release is a little bit different depending on the industry. And something I find really cool about our customer base is it's very amenable to the ways I like to work. I really like to co-build with my customers. I really like to ship early and often and be more nimble. You can't always do that in other industries. There are other times when, like, there are a lot of security risks. Of course, that's our concern as well. But I think there's something really dynamic about the marketing tech space. There are a lot of early adopters and more people willing to just like get in from the ground and give you feedback, even on some of your like scrappier concept designs. Uh, so the theme of this launch was really iteration. Um, having lots of different stages and making sure that we're baking learnings in along the way and kind of packaging those early releases as well as like, not just here's what we're going to deliver, but what is this going to elicit from our audience? Like, how do we package this up so that like this release is actually going to also give us the best learning for the next stage?
0: Yeah. It was very interesting to see like the alpha and beta launches and the feedback and like what the list of the the next things were that we wanted to build. There's a lot of stuff that we want to make like to add into the editor, right? Like there's a long list of exciting things. And at first it was like, all right, we're going to launch this first thing. And then next month, we're gonna launch this other new feature and another new feature and blah, 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 blah. And then through customers actually using it and getting that feedback and co-building, it was like, no, we have to nail the most simple parts of this just like absolutely nail this, make this as easy, as simple as possible. And only once we do that, should we advance and add more stuff in. And there is enough value in getting the simple thing right. And I think that's like a really interesting lesson for anybody because, you know, it's the instinct when you're making something is like, you just want to make all the stuff as fast as possible. And the mistake we could have made here would have been like making all those things really quickly and then looking at the data and being like, oh, people aren't actually using this when the truth was, like, what we had to do was just absolutely nail that fundamental workflow. And that's been what we've been seeing, which is always nice. <laughs> but I don't even know how it fits in with, like, was this an MVP or not? Do you do you think this is an MVP? Would you describe it as that? Or, or like, how do you think about what we just built in regards to, like, viable products?
2: It's a good question. I throw that word around a lot. So this is forcing me to re-examine that. <laughs> I mean, I would consider maybe the beta release to be closer to the MVP, because enough was there that we felt confident releasing it to customers. So the beta was our first customer-facing release. And I think it was obvious at the time that it wasn't like the fully baked thing yet, um, but had enough clues in there around the direction we we're going in. Um, that That's why it elicited really good feedback. So yeah, I would say the beta was the MVP. And then when we went into the broader release, it's a very basic package because again, to Courtney's point, we're really focused around that simplicity, but it doesn't feel unfinished. And so I think we've kind of moved beyond the MVP stage at this point because of that.
0: Okay. I like that answer. And Courtney, so we have this thing, we have this product, we have the editing tool, it's being used by some of our customers, small number, we start to feel more confidence in it, we are getting the beta out there, and then we're getting ready for launch. Can you walk us through like, how do we figure out if messaging is any good? How do we figure out what to focus on? Like, I mean, it's a hard problem, right? Like, you know, you can focus on the wrong thing, and no one pays attention to it, or you focus on the whiz bang thing, and people miss the fundamental, like, walk us through how you do that really well and how we did it really well this time
3: sure yeah so (laughs) i feel like it starts very early even down to terminology that you're using about the product finding out you know who is the audience for this who's going to be using it and then making sure the message is tailored to them i mean it's true of like any marketing like you need to be sure of who you're talking to and tailor your message to the audience so it started early with like, what terms are we going to use? And then we are really fortunate at Wistia that we are our own customer. So there was a lot of internal talking about it of like, okay, well, it's easy to use, but is that really like the main message? Or is it like it saves time or cause all of that stuff is true. So whether or not it's true, isn't necessarily the message that you want to lead with. Um, So we really focused on easy edits should be easy to make. So a lot of that was done internally. We also did some Pendo messages, which we weren't using necessarily for feedback, but when we announced the beta, it was focused on easy to make edits. And then we sort of evolved the message from there for the go-to-market release. We've also thought about how we like to educate our customers and the value we want them to get out of video. So we sort of married that all together of like there's a lot of broad marketing messages about editing of like you can do it all you can add this you can add that you can become you know the best content creator all from our app and a lot of that stuff is actually like stock images and stock footage and i thought that was like an interesting point that there is so much focus on creation and using editing as a tool to create more videos, but you are limited in what you can create and it might end up looking like everything else. So with that in mind, I decided to stay away from like the creation angle, plus we're going to be releasing a lot more updates to editing, so there's more there's more evolution to come in the messaging and like what makes a good video and how to use editing to create great videos and all that stuff, but for this main, launch, it was really about getting narrow on the audience of marketers and being like, okay, what is like the main problem that marketers are having with editing and then getting really narrow on that and focusing on that instead of going very broad. So I think that is what really sort of drove what message and like how we marketed
0: the new feature. And that's why you wouldn't just like over promise on something. Yes. That's kind of what you're saying with some of these other products is like, you could do everything under the sun with this. And then if you get in there and you can't, you're like, F you, like, you know, I signed up for something different.
1: Also, everything is daunting sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like when I was watching like the product marketing video, which I thought was great. um, It really does give you an entry point really into editing and like, okay, let's start with like a simple trim, like somebody sneezes. You want that out. And like it made it as a as a podcast editor and producer, like it really resonated with me too because I think tech can really overwhelm people. And like you were saying, it's kind of a barrier to content creation. But if you give people an in, which you've done with this feature, like it just makes the whole process feel that much more attainable. That's awesome, Sylvie.
3: <laughs> to your point, something else that we focused on on the messaging was being very clear about use cases. So instead of saying like, you can edit your videos, make edits. It was like, well, you don't really wanna use this tool to cut out every time you pause, every time you say, um, or else your video is gonna be super choppy. So like that is not really, like if you're expecting that sort of seamless experience, that's not what we're offering. And we're also not offering like, here's a video. Now it's going to be even more highly produced when it comes out the other end. Like Savage, like you said, that's not what we want to promise. It's like you can make easy edits the easy way. And then we basically messaged on our website, on the product page, on the emails, everything, the video, everything was like cut something out of the middle, trim off the beginning, trim off the end, like product walkthroughs, webinars, Tutorials like we didn't go ham on like all the different edios you could it <laughs> videos you could edit um, edios, yeah, like that. edios 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 <laughs> that's what we're doing new product edios edios it's good it's like spaghettios it is. yeah but oh, for I like that editing that's <laughs> for editing. we should make edios circular um, editing
0: <laughs> it's very cool to see also like you know the company's grown a lot even since we started working on this stuff and yeah. to see like the coordination and the messaging internally and. Hey, like this is why we're talking about this in this really simple way. And if you have people have questions, this is where you go. And like the training and stuff that goes with it, because it's so different and far from where we used to be. Because like we've made many of those mistakes over the years that you're talking about, which is like overpromising on a thing and then under delivering, because people get in there and it's too easy to write the the copy that says we do the great thing. It's just too easy. Or the opposite of like underselling what we're doing because we don't actually understand which use cases it like aligns most well with. And I think it's just really cool to see with this particular feature. We know the customer, um, we know what their challenges are. We know where we can help them. And even though there's a million different editing products, like the response has been really incredible to this product already. And I think it's cause we actually listened <laughs> and actually paid attention to the problems that they have and tried to make the simplest thing possible to help them. I've learned a lot from this. But what advice would you both have to other companies, I think especially B2B companies? Like what have we taken from this that's worked really well as we build and launch like new products?
2: I think one of the things that has worked really well and we want to find ways to continue to do it and just like define more guidelines and process around and just like formalize it is the partnership between product management and product marketing. I think we've been very close from the beginning. And so a lot of what you were noting, Savage, like seeing how it all came together at the end, I think a lot of that happened because we stayed close from the beginning and we stayed very close to the customer. So even as we did product research that either validated or didn't validate some of our smaller beliefs, you know, we would share that very regularly. And so it's almost like our product strategy and kind of marketing positioning were co-evolving based off of each other. And so I think that that's how it all evolved and landed in a really good spot. So that's definitely something I want to carry through. And Courtney and I think about quite often as we think about our next set of projects, like how do we do that, but even better?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think it really comes down to being good partners to each other. And then also making sure you're getting your customer facing teams involved early because they have a lot of needs and they're going to be the ones who are directly you know, handling our customers and we are very customer centric. So I think it's easy to just be like, Oh, well, we'll just tell customer success like a week before we launch that This thing's coming and then they'll handle all the emails, you know, like that. I think is sort of an easy mindset to fall into of like, Oh, it'll be fine. They, they know what's going on. And what we found is like letting them know early, like, look, this is the email list. This is who we're going to be talking to. This is how you can sell it this is how you can talk about it are there you know are there any gotchas that we should be considering so i think um on my side just doing what's best for those teams you know not just focusing on only the marketing so there's like a big part of it that's enablement but um yeah getting involved as early as possible really helped drive the story so we're planning on more of that and then i think we're also trying to figure out aspirational versus MVP and like, what is MVP? What, what do we want to launch with? How far do we want to go? Making that more collaborative has been really good instead of only product leading that and then getting feedback later. That's like, oh, well, that's not what I thought we were doing. So I really have appreciated what the product team has done to bring in people throughout Wistia to give feedback early on, to be like this, this would be my dream if we could have this. And it doesn't mean we have to build it that way, but like we have so many team members who have been on the team for a really long time and feel really passionately and do they are our target audience. So like, why not have them give input on the product and then we can validate whether or not we build it. But like opening up the conversation has been really cool and um, valuable and will continue.
0: Yeah, it's, it's been awesome to see. And also to see the two of you working so well on this podcast together is a, <laughs> is a delight. Uh, everyone's so in sync. So without giving away too many secrets, what happens now? Like this has been in the market for a couple weeks and like a formal launch date. Like what happens next with editing?
3: I can speak to the marketing. Um, it will continue on forever. So that's also something that's a little bit new for us. We tend to market something and then move on to the next thing. So I'm really excited. To continue to explore opportunities to market editing so we've got a webinar coming up in july so keep an eye out on your emails if you're you know in the wistia ecosystem we'll be talking about editing fundamentals for marketing and we'll like talk about the product obviously but like give you tips on you know how you can edit your videos as a marketer um we're looking into product hunt and then on the product side as we release more things we'll update our messaging and like update You know, everywhere editing stuff lives, but immediate term doing the webinar and then some more team enablement stuff.
2: Yeah, to Courtney's point, we just keep on (laughs) trucking and keep on moving forward. Um, I mentioned before how uh, your releases can actually be a big part of how you learn. Um, So that's actually what's happening on the product side right now, where we just made a big splash and we just opened the floodgates to get all this really, really great usage data, um, a combination of both quantitative and qualitative customer feedback. And so right now, um, we're really just sitting in that feedback and kind of going on a listening tour, um, digging into what we see, booking follow-up calls to learn a little more and see uh, what other needs we can meet for customers. Another thing too is that uh, your product will change your customers' behaviors over time. Like this, this was a huge ask from customers, but now that they have this, how does this change what they want next?
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you for walking us through that. And obviously, I'm so excited about this launch and also how it's gone. Like it's been so cool to see. Like you both just said it, but like, yeah, we stayed in sync the whole time, and we knew what we were building and why we we're doing it, why we we're messaging it, and all that stuff. And like. I think that's what people aspire to that's what i aspire to when we're launching things and so it's just so great to have it actually like come out like that and get a good response and also this is the beginning of this product for us right so that's like very very cool to be at that stage um, already so thank you both so much for being here and like being so open about this process and talking about the things we're actively doing you know we don't do that every day on talking too loud and um we're excited to like open this up to more folks into the audience Um, and you know, one thing I do want to end with is if people have questions for you both or want to learn from you or feedback, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: Mm.
3: (laughs)
0: <laughs> you don't want them to connect okay courtney no, doesn't I mean, want you to I just, email her I,
3: I would you can email me i was just thinking i feel like linkedin is the place but not my place you know what i mean so, there we go another hot I'm, take
0: let's go another into this. i mean <laughs> I'm
3: with you i am don't know that that's much I'm with of a hot you on take that. But i'm with you
1: on that linkedin is the place but not my place <laughs> yeah not my place
3: <laughs> so i mean you're welcome to find me on there courtney lefferts i just okay might be a long time before you, you get, get a back from me. Like <laughs> um, yeah, my email though, Cleffords at Wistia.com. And if you want to see weird tweets about food and tweet at me, and sometimes is my handle. So, yeah, anywhere, Courtney Le- Well, there's another Courtney Leffords, so you have to be careful. She is my <laughs> sister in law, my brother in law, married to Courtney. And oh, so wow. now there's another Courtney Leffords, but.
0: That'll get you. Don't worry.
3: I got the email handle. That's another
0: Um, podcast guys. Yeah. That's a whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) A tale of two Courtney's. (laughs) And where can people connect with you, Robin?
2: Same thing. Probably LinkedIn is the place. Um, but yeah, I don't have, I don't have a strong internet presence, which as I'm saying this out loud feels wrong, but, um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn and, uh, You can probably guess my my Wistia email based on my first and last name. I like
0: that. Yeah, keep it sneaky. (laughs) All right. Um, Thank you both so much. And I'll see you soon. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, guys. You know, it's really cool to see people in your company just like building and organizing and understanding what customers want and actually delivering it. And even the stuff we're talking about with the messaging of like, hey, like, let's be really clear about exactly who this is for, exactly why it's gonna be beneficial. And it's just, it's so easy to get this stuff messed up. So it's just, it was fun to to have Robin and, and Courtney on here and like share a little bit of their, their knowledge with the world because I feel like this is how this stuff should work.
1: They were such a good tag team and it was less, it was just it was just really interesting to hear about how the product team and the product marketing team were really working in tandem and like it's bananas to me that like companies kind of miss some of what they were talking about. Um, and I really do think, you know, like we said it at the beginning, for anyone who's thinking about launching a new feature or a new product, there's so many good takeaways in this episode. There were a lot of lessons in there that I was like, ooh, that's a good nugget.
0: Yeah, it also made me think about like early days when we were 10 people. We didn't have a product manager. Yeah. We didn't have a product marketing manager. And so a lot of these roles were really shared. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself like, if I were to go back to 10 people, how would we need to do it? And I think we would have had someone owning product more clearly in the first place. We would have had someone owning product marketing in the first place because the... It's unreal how much the benefits compound when you actually know, hey, this is where the gaps are in the market. These are the types of things people are looking for. This is what people say their issues are, what the customer is dealing with. And then it's that marriage between the two of how you actually figure out what it is you're going to build and how it's going to be presented to the world. And uh, yeah, it's just something that like, if I were to start over again, I would try much earlier to be really clear on the decision making around this stuff.
1: It's interesting you were talking about like going back to those first 10 people and it made me wonder like do companies should they be hiring product managers sooner than
0: they actually are? I think yes, you should be hiring someone to run product. Yeah. And, you know, I will hear from folks like, well, how can you have product managers when you have like a founder or you have a CTO or CEO? Like, shouldn't they? Of course they need to be involved. But I think what people miss is that there's a rigor that comes from this that increases your likelihood of success, basically. Yeah. Um, And that's a huge takeaway. I think another thing that we talked a lot about that's really hard, really, really hard is how do you present features or present your product in a way where it stands out and people pay attention to it? Totally. Where you're not over-promising so much that you just automatically under-deliver. Right. It's a very, very hard balance to get.
1: And Courtney did walk through that process. Yes. Like, here's what other companies are emphasizing and like, how can we distinguish ourselves but also like manage our customer expectations. Like that was another thing that felt like really key.
0: Yes. You know what else is interesting here is um, our editing feature editing product is very simple, very, very simple. Take a video, you hit the button, you can trim, um, you can zoom in on the timeline, you can get your trim exactly right, you can cut out of the middle, you can delete sections. It is very simple. It is a realization at some point in this process was like, we're never gonna make an editor that competes with Premiere. Right. Or competes with Descript, we shouldn't. What's gonna happen is our customers are gonna keep using all of these things But there's another place where there's a lack of something simple Mm -hmm. and we can solve for that problem. And so us launching this doesn't mean that like, we won't do more stuff with other editing companies and stuff. In fact, it means the opposite. Like we'll actually do way more with those Mm -hmm. companies and make Mm -hmm. those workflows even easier. But ultimately for someone who's like, got a video on their website, they've got a video in a channel and they know that they need to tweak it or they need to repurpose it or whatever, removing a bunch of steps and a bunch of friction is going to add a lot of value, and that's why we built this. I love it.
1: I love it. Keep it simple. Keep it nimble.
0: Keep it simple. Keep it nimble. Nice. Like that. Um, Yeah. All right, Sylvie. Well, good to see you. I'll see you soon.
1: Well, what about our listeners and our viewers?
0: I can't see them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, but if you Dad are watching drugs. and you are listening thanks for listening today thanks for watching please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts um you can subscribe via email so you don't miss anything at whiskey.com or you can subscribe on any of the podcasting platforms um we're publishing talking to, uh, to more and more places all the time showing up on youtube and other places so Um, Look out for us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you do have feedback, questions, ideas, ideas for episodes, um, guests, please hit us up at ttlpod at wistia.com.
1: Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia, hosted by Chris Savage, produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day, executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.